Today we're going to the Old Testament, to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to read one passage of scripture there from the sixth chapter. We're going to read it in two different versions. We're starting with the New English translation, then we'll jump over to the Message Bible. Let's read verse 16 of Jeremiah 6 together. The Lord said to his people, you are standing at the crossroads. So consider your path. Ask where the old, reliable paths are. Ask where the path is that leads to blessing and follow it. If you do, you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not follow it. From the message, Jeremiah 6.16, let's go. God's message yet again. Go stand at the crossroads and look around. Ask for directions to the old road, the tried and true road. Then take it. Discover the right route for your souls. But they said, nothing doing. We aren't going that way. I'm just so blessed today. Have a word from the Lord for you. And uh, God is going to just help us bring it by the help of the work of the Holy Spirit today. As I was preparing and listening to the Spirit of God this week, readying myself for these moments that we have together, I just really heard the first part of this scripture, the Lord saying to his people, you are standing at the crossroads. I believe there are many here today in this service who are standing at a crossroad. The Lord, already in advance, has prepared a word for you, knowing right where you are, right where you are and what you are facing. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit to open open your heart today to really receive this word. And uh, take hold of it because it's going to be, I believe, a word in season. The scripture talks to us about to him who is weary, he, he has a word for us in season. Jeremiah prophesied to the nation of Judah for 40 years. In the 13th year of the reign of King Josiah, In the year 627 B.C., Jeremiah began his ministry called of God. He proclaimed the message to the nation of Judah before, during, and after the captivity by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. And he was very focused. He was very much a man who is known as the weeping prophet. And the nation of Judah at this point in time where we jump into the scene in Jeremiah chapter 6, the nation of Judah has lost all sense of direction. The nation of Judah is very disoriented. 
the nation of Judah is groping in bewilderment and confusion. And they're wandering, just wandering around in the darkness. And when you study the book of Jeremiah and other accounts, you will find that the reason this scenario exists is mainly due to prophets who are prophesying lies because of their greed. The prophets at this time in Jeremiah's day, the prophets were consumed with greed. And thus they are prophesying lies. And not only that, the priests, the priests were ruling by their own authority. Jeremiah clearly points this out in chapters 5 and 6. I want you to listen to how bad it was in Jeremiah chapter 6, some verses right before our text, verse 13. Jeremiah says, everyone's after the dishonest dollar. This is the message translation. Everyone's after the dishonest dollar. Little people and big people alike. I want you to connect now and see what's going on among God's people, the nation of Judah. Everyone's after the dishonest dollar. Little people and big people alike. Prophets and priests, and everyone in between, twist words and doctor truth. My people are broken, shattered, and they, speaking of the priest, they put on band-aids, saying to the people, it's not so bad, you'll be just fine, but things are not just fine. Do you suppose they are they, the priests, do you suppose they are embarrassed over this outrage? No, they have no shame. They don't even know how to blush. This is a dark hour in the nation of Judah. And the people of God desperately needed a landmark. So Jeremiah the prophet Thank God for men who stay true in their generation. What this man went through and the persecution and and the imprisonment and the torture that Jeremiah went through because he stayed true. And when the people desperately needed a landmark, Jeremiah gave them one in verse 16 of our text. Go, stand at the crossroads. And look around. Ask for direction to the old road. Everybody say old road. The tried and true road. Then take it. Discover the right route for your souls. Discover the right route for your souls. This is a verse for people who have come to the crossroads and don't know which way to turn. Now think about this for just a moment. The solution to this desperate national dilemma that is plaguing Judah is contained in these words, discover. Discover the right route and 
go that way. Discover the right route for your souls and take it. Today I want to minister to you on the subject discovery at the crossroads. If you're at a crossroads today, listen up for the next few moments. We're going to make some discoveries. This is the year of discovery at NLC. Discovery at the crossroads. The people of God, as you go through Scripture, you will read that the people of God often found themselves at the crossroads. I think of the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 24. They're at a crossroads when they gathered at a place called Shechem. And Joshua, in Joshua 24, as the people gathered at Shechem, Joshua, their general, is about to die. This generation of people in Joshua 24, this is all they've known. It was Joshua who led them and brought them from the wilderness and led them through the Jordan and then brought them into their dwelling and into their place of settling. Once Joshua and the armies of God overthrew 31 kings, Canaanitish kings, then Joshua settled them into their into their land, and now they're at a crossroads because they are, they are about to lose their leader. Their leader is about to go, and in verse 14 of Joshua 24, these are some of the final words that Joshua, at this moment of the nation being at crossroads, said, Now, fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What a leader. Joshua's leadership was absolutely impeccable, other than the issue of the Gibeonites who deceived him. And he made covenant with them. Joshua's leadership was absolutely impeccable. And now the nation at this crossroads about to lose their leader. And it was this man who said, Make a choice. We're at a crossroads. Make a choice whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think of the people of God who were at a crossroads when Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It was the same crossroads, offering the same two choices, either God's way or the highway. 1 Kings 18, verse 21 Elijah stood up in front of all the people on Mount Carmel. The Bible says that he called the people to himself. After he repaired the altar, he called the people to himself. 
And he asked them, how long will you try to have it both ways? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Church, just as it was in Joshua's day, in Elijah's day, in Jeremiah's time, so it is in our day. Crossroads are approaching. Some are already there. But crossroads are approaching sooner or later. Sooner or later. Crossroads are coming. Based on the way the world is going, there are crossroads that we nationally are going to face. We as a people, we as a nation, based on the world, the way that the world is going, Let me just give you a couple of the crossroads that are soon to be upon us. National ethical dilemmas. Will we cherish the lives of the innocent or unborn? Or will we permit abortion on demand? This is a crossroads. We're coming to it. Don't kid yourself for a moment and think that we will be spared. Satan is no respecter of culture. Will we cherish the lives of the unborn, the innocent unborn, or will nationally, will we permit abortion on demand? Here's another national dilemma at crossroads that we will come to, will we preserve the sanctity of marriage? Or will we tolerate homosexual unions? When the agenda is tabled and when it's pushed hard in our nation, what will be our response when we come to that crossroads? What about the church? What about the church? The church, listen to me, the church in this hour is already standing at the crossroads. Let me give you a couple of examples. Will we, as a church, will we glorify God in our worship or will we entertain ourselves? So much of church life now around the world is based on entertainment. So will we as a church, as a body right here locally, will we glorify God in our worship or will we entertain ourselves? Secondly, will we preach the uncompromising gospel of Jesus Christ or will we tone down our message so as not to offend anybody? Excuse me, Jesus is called the rock of offense. I want you to get this next statement. This hits me so hard. Listen, preaching that entertains more than it instructs, preaching that soothes more than it convicts, preaching that appeases more than it convicts, produces a shallow, non-impactful church. 
We're at a crossroads. Are we going to tone it down so that you will be comfortable? Listen, preaching that entertains more than it instructs, preaching that soothes more than it convicts, preaching that appeases more than it confronts, produces a shallow. I'm no, not interested in shallow. We have too much invested. You can get shallow anywhere. But God, give us a people who want to go deep. God, give us a church. Oh, I don't care if it's a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand. Give us a church where people have made their decision. They're at the crossroads and said, bring it. Bring it. Don't hold back, pastor. Tell us like it is. It may get rough. I hope you still say yes. In fact, so much of Jesus' words are hard. If you've never heard a hard word from Jesus, I wonder if you've ever heard from Jesus. Will we stay true? Come on, the church is at a crossroads. Will we stay true to proclaim and live by the eternal word of God? Or will we seek some new revelation? Or will we fall prey to what's trending? I'm talking about church life and the crossroads that the church of Jesus Christ, right around the earth, the church of Jesus Christ is at this crossroads right now. Will we... Stay true to proclaim and live by the eternal word of God or will we seek some new fangdangled revelation or will we fall prey to what's trendy? That's the crossroads of the church. What about you? Perhaps you are at a personal crossroads. Maybe you're wondering what God wants to do with your life. Maybe you're here today and you're considering pursuing a new educational opportunity. Or perhaps you're here today and you have the possibility of marriage before you. You're at a crossroads. There are others who struggle with deep spiritual questions. Wondering who Jesus is or if the Bible is really true. Listen, the answers to all of these issues will be determined by our desire and our commitment to discover the right way to take at these crossroads. This is the heart of my message right here. The answers to all of these issues. You may not be at any of them yet, but don't worry and don't be discouraged. We all face crossroads. And the answer to all of these issues will be determined by, number one, our desire. Do you really desire the ways of God? Do you really desire to go God's way? Do you really desire to live for God in this dark hour when, like Judah, there's so much bewilderment and confusion 
People are coming out with all sorts of craziness. Do you really have a desire to press in? How serious are you and I for the things of God? Are we embarrassed to be called the people of God? We need to make a discovery if we're embarrassed. Our answer is determined by our desire and commitment to discover the right route, the right way. To hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it when you turn to the right, when you turn to the left. Uncompromisingly committed, whether it looks good or feels good, we are committed to discover. We're on this journey, and we're committed to the process of this journey. Every journey has a process. Ours is no different. And so many times in the process, if we don't continue to press in and discover, if we don't continue to press in and seek to discover, we can grow weary in the process. We can want to give up the process. But oh, listen to me. God wants us to discover and, 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 and our, our, our spiritual life should be a life of discovery. So here's the first of a few keys. I'm just going to give you one today. Here's the first of a few keys to make that discovery. Anybody interested in this, in this subject? Come on, church. Where are, where, where are you? Are you really interested? Or do you just come for the loaves and fishes? Verse 16, the first part of that verse. <laughs> Go stand. Go stand at the crossroads. What was the answer to Judah's dilemma? The people so bewildered and confused because the prophets were so greedy. They're prophesying lies to benefit themselves. Wanting only, they only wanted the people to hear the good things. And here comes Jeremiah with a message of judgment that's coming on the city of Jerusalem. And for 40 years he prophesied. For 40 years he wept. They didn't want it. As we read in our, in our scripture, they said, no, nothing doing. And they threw, they threw Jeremiah into dungeons. They persecuted him. And now when it's so bad, and they're so shattered, and they're so broken, they're crying out for a landmark. Jeremiah, thank God for men who stay faithful in their generation. Thank God for men of God who will not bow, who will not be moved even though they go through hell. That's just exactly what they do. They go through it. And they come out on the other side. Come on, yeah, give Jesus praise today, church. You need to be grateful. You need to be thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for leaders and pastors who can't be bought. Leaders and pastors who will not be silenced. 
just to tickle somebody's fancy or to try to gain their membership in the church. God forbid. Let God set you in the house. Let the Spirit of God plant you into the family. Go stand at the crossroads. The word stand means to take a stand. When you come to the crossroads, Jeremiah said, take a stand. If you're going to discover the right route, he said, take a stand. Remain motionless. When you go to the crossroads, when you come to that place where the nation, he, the nation of Judah is at that place of crossroads, go and stand. Remain motionless. Stay behind. Stop doing something. That's the word, the meaning of the word stand. So here's the first key to make the discovery of the right way to go. When you're at a crossroads, take a stand. When you're facing peer pressure and when you're facing crowd influence, take a stand. These are the two top pressures that we face when we're at a crossroads in our life. Peer pressure and influence of crowds. This is faced in every society right across the earth. When you come to a crossroads, take a stand. People who live a life of discovery are people who take a stand. People who have the way unveiled and set before them are people who learn the secret of remaining motionless. You see, a lot of times... Our human nature, we'll come to a crossroads and we go right through it. And we hit a wall. We're like, I didn't, what happened? When you come to a crossroads, the word says stand. Take a stand. It also means to stand on one's feet. Not to sit down, to stand on one's feet. To stay behind when everybody else is barreling their way through. We're staying behind. What? Listen to me. Whenever you come to a crossroads, there will always be individuals, particularly your peers, who will advise you. They come out of the woodwork. I mean, they. it's like, where did you guys come from? The moment that you're at a crossroads, there are people who are very much available to you with free counsel and free advice. They've got all the answers. They know what's wrong with everything, what's wrong with the church. They will, if you will take a moment and just let them counsel you, they will, they will tell you exactly what's wrong with the church. They know it all. Problem is, they haven't led a church. Most of them have never been responsible for a church. Oh, yeah. Come on, let's make it plain, the Bible says. And they will always be available to advise you. And you know what? They will advise you to head off in a direction 
that is most convenient and, 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 and one that is less challenging. This is just human nature. This is what we look for, the direction that's most convenient and most uh, 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 less challenging. That's just human nature. They will counsel you to take the path that is most traveled. The first thing to do at such times is to take responsibility in recognizing. First and foremost, you need to recognize that you're at a crossroads. That is, wow, that's 101 right here. you got to recognize that you're at a crossroads. See, our, our nature is one that's just, we, we're, we're motivated. We're moving. We're going. And we many times can go, just push our way right through the crossroads. Don't even know. You've got to recognize there are two roads before you, and you can only go in one direction. And only you can take it, not your peers. You know, when we talk about peer pressure, we often think about the youth and the young adults, our core 18s and those, those people who are at a crossroads. Listen, we all, we all have peer pressure. No matter how big and old you are. And it's not just peer pressure from the world. It can be peer pressure right from within. But only you can take the road. Take a stand. When you get to the crossroads, take a stand. Remain motionless. That's not easy. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. There's nothing that can mature us and bring us into maturity greater than the crossroads in our life. When two ways are before us, and like Judah, we're clueless, but we go to God and we ask for a landmark. But to do that and make that discovery, you've got to stand. And that's hard against our nature. I want to wrap this up with some thoughts as regards the crowd. We need to understand a few things about the crowd if we're going to discover the right road to take when we come to the crossroads. I've mentioned some in regards to peer pressure. I want to focus in because for the next few minutes because this is where we find ourselves struggling. I first want you to think about how powerful the social pressure of a crowd is. Think of how powerful the social pressure of a crowd is. Let me just give you a few. The crowd can overwhelm a life of conviction and beliefs. The crowd can overwhelm a lifetime, a lifetime of conviction and beliefs. 
We're so influenced by crowds. Because we want to please the crowd. You'll never, ever be able to accomplish that. And the crowd can overwhelm a lifetime of conviction and beliefs. The crowd can overcome a person's moral compass. When you begin, this is why it's so important to, to come to grips with this question Who do you run with? Because you think you're so strong. But you need to find out and understand how many times over these 30-something years of pastoring this church have I seen people come into the house of God full of fire, weeping at the altar, signing up for leadership, but they connected to the wrong crowd or they went back to their old associations. And where are they today? They no longer made discoveries. When they began, it was so powerful, so exciting, so wonderful. But the crowd, our peer pressure, these things began to cloud them and disorient them, causing them to question, causing them to wonder, why do you people do the things you do? You people. They didn't start out with you people. They started out with us. But it turns into you people. That's a result of the crowd. And they're confused. They're not making discoveries anymore. And it tears the heart of a pastor. It makes a pastor feel What have I done wrong? How have I failed? What didn't I give this person? What didn't I do for this person? The crowd can destroy a person's integrity. The crowd can destroy... You need to understand a few things about the crowd. You need to really, really do some introspection. You need to really ascertain who you're running with. Because the crowd can destroy a person's integrity. There are so many people these days who seem willing to trade their convictions for a few years of political influence and political dominance. I want to repeat that. We have elections. We're we're coming up to a crossroads in this nation. And there are many people these days who seem willing to trade their convictions for a few years of political dominance or influence. You mean, Pastor, we aren't supposed to influence the political world? Not at the cost of your convictions. Leave it. 
It's almost next to impossible to enter that world and remain on fire for God. Come on, be be real and authentic when you get to a crossroads. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, and so I insist. Paul says, and so I insist. Look at this, and God backs me up on this that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They're refused. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. This is the impact of the crowd. Crowds have a very short attention span. Crowds have a very... Short attention span. The thing that matters the most this week, by next week, that thing will be a distant memory. The thing that matters the most this week that we just got, by next week, it's like, what, 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 what was that thing? Let's on to something else. The crowd is always restless. The crowd is always searching for the latest and greatest And they will pressure you and influence you if you don't come along with them to the degree you can lose your integrity. A crowd always carries with it intense pressure put on you to conform and especially for you to belong. You one of us. You one of us. Uh -uh. Hang on. Hang on. I'm not interested in clubbing with you. I'm not interested. You're putting pressure on me to go out and drink and club and carouse, chase skirts. I'm not interested. I belong to Jesus. Yeah, come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. That's the kind of person who in that moment will make discoveries and will be able to help so many other people who are out there who need that discovery in that direction. I want to show you a photograph. And I want to wrap up. This photograph was taken in 1936. I came across it the other day. Let me give you a little background about this photograph before I show it to you. The great nation of Germany. The great nation of Germany. Cutting edge technology. You You want the greatest cutting edge technology in the earth. Go to Germany. Always has been that way. And the great nation in 1936, when this photograph was taken, the great nation of Germany is at a crossroads. It's at a crossroads. Hitler has swept the nation off its feet. In in 1933, Adolf Hitler took dictatorial powers. He was at the full strength of his dictatorial powers. In 1933. So in 1936, he spent three years and the nation loves him. He swept the nation off their feet. 
And this photograph that I'm going to show you, it shows a crowd of workers, factory workers, and they're all lifting their arms in the infamous Hitler salute at a Nazi rally after Hitler had come and spoken to them. This man, through his, through his speech, could, I mean, move a crowd and work up a crowd to a frenzy so that they would, em- they would embrace his, his, his ideologies, which was so wicked. And you'd see this crowd standing and they have lifted their arms high, all except, and there's hundreds of them, all except for one lone man. This one man in the crowd has his arms crossed on his chest and he's unmoved. What this man is doing right here can bring him to prison. What this man is doing right here eventually would hold a death sentence. And somebody randomly took a picture of these hundreds of factory workers having just heard Hitler's speech and they're all giving the salute except one. And it was not until decades after the war that this photograph was published and the truth behind this photograph emerged. The man was named August Landmesser. August Landmesser, that's his name. And when this photograph was taken, he had already been expelled from the Nazi party. He began with the Nazi party, but when this photograph was taken, he had already been expelled from the Nazi party. And the reason that he was expelled It's because he had a Jewish wife. Her name was Irma. Irma Eckler. Because of his position that he took, taking a stand and loving a Jewish woman and marrying her, he was expelled from the Nazi party. Still a factory worker at this point in 1936. Irma, his wife, would later be murdered in a Nazi concentration camp. And this man, Landmasser, he actually died in Croatia because he was eventually put into prison. But then Hitler required what is called penal battalions. Penal battalions were battalions made up of prisoners who were forced to fight for Nazism. It's easy to imagine the scorn that must have been around August Landmesser. Maybe, maybe in this crowd, 
Maybe they weren't all true Nazis. Maybe in this crowd, perhaps there were some practical citizens who did not wish to risk their lives for the symbolic act. Heil Hitler! Maybe there were some in this crowd who didn't want to risk their lives. They would say, it's not worth endangering your life. Just do it and we can get back to work. Just do it and we can get on with our lives. What's the big deal? August Landmesser had principles and he stood by those principles even if it meant death and he would not allow the crowd to sway him. Why would you destroy my wife? Because she's a Jew. It's wrong. It's murder. It's not right. I will not salute to the man who ordered her death. Why would he do such a thing? Listen, out of all these hundreds of people in this photograph, out of all of the hundreds of people in this photograph, it's only Landmesser's story. Only his story. Out of all these hundreds that has been preserved in a German memorial museum, it is only Landmaster's story who is celebrated to this day. Think about this. Landmaster's refusal to salute, perhaps his refusal to salute, it, it, it perhaps lasted a second or maybe two seconds. But the courage of his nonconformity is still making an impact to this day. We don't read of the others. We read of Messer. Give Jesus praise. Those who make the discovery of the right route have learned to stand still. Those who have made the discovery and make the discovery of the right route, they've learned to stand still, to stop all the activity and not be moved by the influence of peers not be moved by the noise of the crowd. They're willing to stay behind. They're willing to stay behind. They're willing to pay the price. They're willing to take their stand. They're willing to remain motionless and listen for His voice. Listen for the voice of the captain of our salvation and then move with Him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Walk with me, Jesus said. Come on. This is the captain of the host right here. This is who we follow. When you come to that crossroads in your life, listen to the words of our, of our leader. Listen to the words of our Joshua, as it were. Walk with me and work with me 
Watch how I do it. Get your eyes off the crowd. Get your eyes and your ears tuned off. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Give Him praise, everybody. Give Him glory, everybody. The captain of the host, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's leading us. Even when we come to that crossroads, He is faithful. Discover Him. Listen, taking a stand, it's costly. This man lost his life. But oh my goodness, it's well worth it. How many of you as believers, you say, Pastor, I'm at a crossroads right now. I'm really at a crossroads in my life, my business, my marriage. Pastor, I'm at a crossroads with issues with my children. Pastor, I'm at a crossroads. I'm dealing with situations. Come on, hands up all over this room. Come on, get real, get real. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, every heart that's lifted before you right now, I agree in prayer, supernatural discovery, supernatural discovery at the crossroads that they are taking their stand, slowing down. So much pressure on them, Lord. I pray for wisdom. I pray that the Holy Spirit, still small voice, they'll they'll stay behind while everyone else is rushing. They'll stay behind and stay in your presence and that you will reveal to them the right route to take. Let them make discoveries on what adjustments need to be made in their journey. Bless your people today. Encourage your people today. Strengthen your people today. In Jesus' name. Can you celebrate today the goodness of God? Can you celebrate the faithfulness of God? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's with us. Everybody have an amazing week. God bless you.